Suitcase is a website, quarterly print magazine, and now podcast that celebrates the culture of travel. Hello, you're listening to The Upgrade, a brand new travel podcast brought to you by Suitcase Magazine. I'm Fleur Rollette Manis. And I'm India Dowley, and we're here to help you travel smarter. Coming up on today's episode. I realized that it's not so much the landscapes that I was missing from travel, it's really people and the spontaneity. I think it's the community aspect of travel is what I deeply, deeply crave. Hey India, how are you? I've been absolutely itching to record this episode with you. Hi Fleur, I would never have guessed by the 127 slacks you bombarded me with each day since we decided on this episode. But yeah, I'm absolutely fine. I'm actually really looking forward to this one. As dare I say it, there's hope on the horizon for travel. I know. I always say I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to speak too soon. I definitely blame my mother for my superstitiousness. But what with the vaccine, increased flight schedules, and people already booking their next year trips, I really do think people are eager to help the travel industry bounce back once again. Me too. I think in the summer it felt like we were getting one shot at a trip abroad, but we were a bit tentative. And now I think people are really ready to travel again and are gearing up to plan some really quite special trips. Yeah. Do you not think that the way we're going to be travelling is going to be so different though? 100%. 100%. I think our priorities have really changed over this year. And what people are looking for is now, as you say, different. One of the most obvious changes to travel in our day-to-day is the importance of safety and hygiene. I'm not sure I'd go as far to say that 2020 is the year that safety became sexy, but you know what I mean. I don't know. I pick my hand sanitizer based on the smell, a bit like I do a perfume. <laughs> but, but you're right. I think this idea of safety and hygiene not only impacts the type of accommodation people are booking, Obviously, it goes without saying that self-catering and boutique stays will continue to boom, but things like contactless check-in will become really important. Sonda, which is kind of like Airbnb, but it's a lot more boutique and and bespoke, they already offer a really easy-to-use contactless service, which I think is going to really help them become market leaders and really, really popular. All the info from like Wi-Fi codes to how to use the heating, how to switch on the oven door codes etc all readily available in the app and it just makes booking a staycation in the city a breeze after safety though i also think conscious travel will continue to thrive the whole ethos around conscious travel is no longer resigned to a boutique eco lodge in the costa rican jungle it's now thankfully a key factor in so many people's planning people will be picking destinations and places to stay on the basis of their green credentials as well as safety We've been saying it for a while at Suitcase, but I think that we're all travelling smarter and slower and we're going to see much more of this in 2021, which I'm absolutely thrilled about. Yeah, so am I. It's definitely a positive byproduct of the pandemic that we'll all be travelling a lot slower. I think who we're travelling with as well is changing. I've had more breaks away, mainly staycations, with my mum this year than ever before. I'm her support bubble, so we've been able to get away quite often, but I haven't really been able to see much of my wider family. And I think obviously that's the case for so many people too. We've lost so much time that we'd normally spend catching up, going out for dinner or whatever. I think whenever we get the chance, we'll want to whisk off our wider family to cottages, barns, crash pads all across the country. You've mostly stayed self-catering, haven't you, Flair? There's been a huge shift in people as well, I think, seeking out these kinds of stays. And the UK's self-catering scene has never been stronger. Places like Wilderness Reserve, Bybury Farm Barns, Dursley Farmhouse have really stepped up the game and brought self-catering properties to the fore. Yeah, so much so we did a whole episode on it, if you want to go back and listen. (laughs) But breaks your bubble, I think, will definitely carry on. And holiday with people of different ages means that the destinations we're gravitating towards are perhaps looking a little different too. 
we've spoken about it in a previous episode, I think, but as multi-generational travel gets popular, people are revisiting old haunts and destinations that they know and love. I think the more people holiday with family means that perhaps there are also, you know, less rumblings on destinations that are set to be the new Montenegro or the new Tel Aviv. Of course, there are definitely, you know, the destinations around that we're pinpointing as hot for 2021 and that I think are, you know, set to take off. But I don't know about you, Fleur, but I would argue that there is many destinations returning to the limelight as there are stealing it. Yeah, without a doubt. I think you've got places like Costa Rica, Japan and Helsinki that have been laying the foundations for ages of sustainable green hubs and they're powering most of the country with renewable energy resources. And Costa Rica and Japan are on track to be zero carbon emissions by 2050. And I think Helsinki is on track to be zero carbon emissions by 2035. And so they're getting so much attention right now as people are making these more conscious choices. But then you've got the cities and the towns that have been attracting creatives for a while. So South Africa, obviously, has been attracting for ages now. But more interesting and more recently, you've also got South End on Sea. Now, I know like they're usually... I really like the comparison you just did between South Africa and South End on Sea. Go on. They're a lot more similar than you think, actually. Like South End on Sea isn't just this like brash, faded seaside resort because their art scene is actually booming and it's all thanks to like a cluster of community focused homegrown initiatives such as focal point gallery so focal point gallery was set up to showcase contemporary pieces of art that challenge the way people think about locality and community and they work really closely with artists young people local schools all to get them engaged in what is like south end's really contemporary art scene I think that obviously in turn attracts creative that have been outpriced in other areas of the city in london yeah, absolutely, Flo. I think you're quite right there. And I mean, the rise of the workation, destinations that are offering somewhere affordable to live, a vibe, and those that aren't too far away from, you know, the major cities, or, you know, time difference from London or, you know, wherever you're moving from. So you can still turn up to your Zoom calls. There's really no wonder that creators are flocking to those places and then really sort of setting into motion a, a cultural revival. Yes. Yeah, so a little bit of a confession here. So, you know, I was kind of maybe almost on the fence about workations you weren't on the fence you were vitriolic when I suggested yeah. the idea well I've again okay fine but I've admittedly done a whole 360 as I've actually started to plan one hopefully obviously like restrictions life lol restrictions allow and I will be off to South Africa at the end of January and I'm planning to spend the whole month hanging and working obviously India and working um in in Durban with some friends Fleur, I had absolutely no idea that you were just off leaving me. I'm very glad you said working as well as hanging. That sounds fantastic. So I think it's a really great one, as I said, because there's not really much time difference in the UK, I don't think. But no, I mean, I'm really glad that you've come down to the idea of a workation, Fleur. I feel like I've sort of vindicated. Not that I'm particularly obsessed with them, but I just, you were so like, absolutely not. I know. I think I was just so apprehensive because I just need a holiday so badly, like me and obviously the rest of the world. But I was just worried that if I went off somewhere knowing that I was going to work, then it wouldn't really be a holiday and I wouldn't really switch off. I'm not great at switching off anyways by my own omission for the fear of missing out on opportunities. But I also really, really realized I just need a change of space sometimes. So I basically talked myself into it. I've decided I'm going to do a week's holiday and the rest I'll work from a new city that's obviously like really underrated and often overshadowed by Cape Town, but really is booming at the moment. 
That sounds absolutely brilliant. That sounds absolutely brilliant, Fran. I'm so jealous. I think I think you're right. I think that some people, you know, are really enjoying not being tied and chained to one specific space or place. Obviously, I'm talking more about creatives and those with corporate jobs, but people have transitioned to working digitally and online so much so that they can choose to have their mobile office set up and, you know, wherever really, Tangier, Istanbul, Athens, wherever you fancy. Um, and of course, creative, as creatives, we know a lot of us thrive in new environments and it suits our multi-hyphen work culture. Yeah, definitely. We recently launched a new Reader of the Month column and Lexi, our first reader, is a DJ. She's a podcast. She's a writer. She's she's everything. She's really cool, actually. Um, <laughs> a lot cooler than, than you or I. But yeah, she's pitched up in Turkey to explore their creative scene and she absolutely loves it. She's more inspired. She's networking more and she's found herself open to so many more opportunities. It really is, I don't want to say cool again, but it really is a really cool sort of change. You know, like business travel used to be pretty, pretty bleak actually. But now hotels or apart hotels like like Lock or the Gate and the Levee are so design driven and forward thinking. It's you know so much less grim. Then you've got hotels like Sit and M who offer the option to book rooms for hours if you want to to get your heads down. I just think there's so many other options than just some horrible chain hotel and really bleak sort of grey bedroom and that kind of thing when it comes to business travel. Yeah, definitely. I think workations are really going to shake 2021 travel next year. Fleur, would I go as far as to say that I think you might agree with me that we should do a whole episode on workations now? We are. We are going to do a whole episode <laughs> on workations. <laughs> Excellent. I look forward to it. But no, I don't think it's just about escaping to work in sunnier climates. This year has really taught people that holiday on home turf is pretty amazing. Obviously, you've got places like Brighton, which we all know about, who affords their own identity as a creative enclave for years. And with the arrival of the new Soho House, it continues to thrive. But I think we're definitely set to see a UK seaside town revival too. Bognor Regis, of all places, top list of places UK travellers have drawn to this year. How bananas is that? And if you look at what's happening in, I don't know, Norfolk, Margate, which we talk about a lot, Hastings, people really are seeking refuge in these sort of slightly once faded art deco vintage seaside towns and it's only going to attract more attention when at the start of next year the english coastal path is launching gosh that's been such a long time coming hasn't it it really has it really has i don't know I, I, we obviously know about it a lot from our wonderful sub-editor ray wrote a brilliant brilliant piece in our recent homegrown issue there i am plugging it again if you haven't bought it already buy it but the english coastal path i yeah i don't know how many people know about it because We've got this amazing piece in print, but it's the world's longest seafront walking trail and it will be unveiled in its entirety next year. And it goes around the UK and Ray walks two parts of it, one in the north and one in the south. Yeah, it's really worth reading. It's like the kind of story that you want to read on a Sunday morning with a cup of coffee or like in those weird days between Christmas and New Year when no one really knows. Actually, those weird days are exactly like the whole of this year, aren't they? Yep, yep. Oh, you can read it at any time, actually, any time. You can read the magazine at any time, just in the bath, on the loo. Anytime, buy the magazine, please. Anyway, <laughs> um, the UK staycation, I think that it's, it's going absolutely nowhere, is it? And I'm thrilled about it. In between yo-yoing in and out of lockdowns, I think, you know, I made these grand um, statements off I'd go to the Lake District. And da, da, da. I didn't get through to half Brandon Close on my list, did I? No, me neither. No, no. But running parallel, I guess, to the places that are drawing and creators for locations, you've also got those places that are really helping us to switch off, which is, you know, just as important, if not more. And these two are set to really boom next year as we continue to blur boundaries, I think, between work and play and seek alternative ways to escape and relax. Yeah, obviously we had Birch's founder, Chris Penn, on 
the podcast a few weeks ago and Birch is such a pioneering example of somewhere that's disrupting the idea of a wellness or creative retreat but you've also got places like OC Island also in the latest print magazine FYI yeah it, it is but OC has been attracting the few that have heard of it so it's privately owned it's privately owned island off of the coast of Essex it's really remote they've got like a recording studio there and the fork and forage restaurant native is there too and they have been attracted people to know about it for a little while now OC Island sounds so fab I was desperate to go but yeah again was supremely selfless selfish the opposite of that selfless and sent another fab journalist and photographer where else are you tipping for next year Flair? Okay, so this is going to come like completely out of left field. And I feel like my 10-year-old self will be so thrilled after like watching a, a rerun of Mary-Kate and Ashley's Holiday in the Sun. Oh, God. So, yeah, prepare yourself for it. Um, but I have been hearing a lot about how, idiot, how do I even say this? I don't know because we're supposed to be really cool like travel editors. So I don't know what you're going to say, but um, go for it. I'll buffer okay. you. I'll buffer you and say something okay. like trendy or something and then okay, we'll fine, pretend fine. that we're fine. Okay, fine. Okay, but I've been hearing a lot about Oahu in Hawaii and how the community and a grassroots set of creatives are regenerating this part of the island. They're basically trying to make it less Americanized and they've got galleries on every corner showcasing like local art. They've got workshops. Like there's one called Workshops at Paiko that invite the wider community to get involved in local crafts. And then you've got Wahikiki, Wahikiki, Beachcomber. Gosh, these names are really testing me. And um, which is a hotel that's played a massive part in the movement. So local artists and craftsmen work can be found throughout the hotel, like in the rooms, by the pools and the grounds. And they all offer their take on Wakiki culture. I always find it fascinating when places like completely revive themselves. And I love that following their journey, kind of like Bodrum did a few years back, but obviously without the glitz and glamour, this is much more grassroots. That's a really, that's a really great shout out. I really hope you do go and report back to it. That sounds like a really interesting one. I also think that Charleston in the US is going through a really interesting time at the moment too. And I'm really eager to watch it forge a new identity. A lot of places in the US are finally facing up to their history after the Black Lives Matter movement, and quite rightly so, gained so much momentum this year. For, you know, ever, Charleston's relied on its Southern Belle charm to woo visitors, but let's not forget it was the epicenter of the slave trade too. Yeah, they'll be opening the International African American Museum in 2022, I believe, won't they? That's right, that's right, Fleur. 40% of slaves in the US came through Charleston, and I think particularly for US destinations, it's paramount that they work towards not necessarily reinventing themselves, but honouring their past. Finally, Charleston Black businesses are being celebrated, and they're introducing initiatives like Black Food Fridays to honour the incredible Black-owned restaurants in the area. Do you know what else I want to visit? And haven't had a chance to go yet, though, Fleur. Go on. Bosnia and Herzegovina. I have a bit of a soft spot for Eastern or Central Eastern Europe, as you know, Fleur. I think two of my most memorable favourite trips have been in Transylvania and in Georgia. I think I'm drawn to these kind of destinations because they provide a snapshot of Europe's multicultural past. In cities like Mostar, for example, you've got a medley of Mediterranean, Ottoman and medieval architecture, all of which still show scars from the Civil War. And you've got these great mountainous peaks offer some of the best budgets going in Europe, as well as out of this world waterfalls. They often these destinations could get completely untouched because you know largely they aren't on the well the sort of Western tourist trail at all. Yeah, obviously we were speaking about like last January just before our lives were turned completely upside down. But we were speaking about 
lesser known destinations and destinations that aren't on the tourist trail but absolutely should be and we were talking about a trip to chad i think for those travelers who more than ever are seeking a proper proper adventure and want to go somewhere that will really throw them out of their comfort zone then they probably should consider planning a trip to chad i mean most people would struggle to pinpoint it on a map but it's actually one of the largest countries in africa and it is so beautiful you can trek the sahara visit lake chad it's one of the largest freshwater lakes in the world where little towns kind of congregate on the side of the lake and they're like little islands almost you can go on safari and not that you know chugging through eight people to a to a van safari traffic and not not like that but i think i just think if people peer beyond the headlines and they'll realize it's such an undiscovered gem all this talk about emerging destinations makes me miss traveling a lot Fleur. even more than those did before but i do really value in fact that we've had time to process our habits and set about changing them yeah that's something that travel influencer and content creator olivia lopez and i talk about as much like us there was times over the last few years where she'd wake up and have absolutely no idea where she was because her body was so jet lagged and she had barely time to stop pause and put things into perspective and yet exactly like us she spent this last year and and all this time to rediscover her neighborhood although she's recently moved from the west coast in la to the east coast and is settling into new life as a new yorker isn't she Fleur? yeah she is so i've been following olivia for an age actually i think I've been following her since I interviewed her for Suitcase when I was a wee intern. <laughs> um, and I pretty much became obsessed with her after that. She's like the original influencer, isn't she? And definitely part of our conscious travel crew. Yeah, plus she gives really, really good recs. I remember seeing her post from Villa Lacoste in Provence and vowing to make a beeline for it. Olivia has definitely been wooing us with still life snaps from a flurry of global design hotels, lesser known talented villages and a wardrobe packed with designer dads that we're, we've been lusting after for years. So I'm really thrilled that we're getting her take on travel in 2021. Hasn't she just on her own podcast too? Yeah, I'm waiting for an invite to be a guest. <laughs> I'm joking. Who would want us as guests? No, it's, it, it's, it's really good actually. It's called The Art of Travel and it, it delves into how travel enhances creative development, curiosity and community. I think you'll like it. I will definitely add that to my podcast playlist. One of my resolutions is actually to listen to more podcasts and to become a bit better at podcasting and wiser. Gosh, that's absolutely shameful. As we bid goodbye to this bloody awful year, we chat to Olivia Lopez, fashion and travel influencer, writer and podcaster, about her love for all things Italian, her travel philosophy and where she's travelling to in 2021. So welcome to the Upgrade by Suitcase Magazine podcast. Let's start with telling us a bit about where you're from and how that has shaped you as a person. So I was born in Manila in the Philippines and I moved to the US when I was about six or seven years old and how that shaped me as a person. I think coming from Southeast Asia and moving to America, I've definitely always approach life with a multicultural perspective, just as an immigrant and also my mom remarrying a European, we just always had three different perspectives of what it meant to be, uh, I guess, a citizen or an individual. And so being exposed to various perspectives and viewpoints early on is something that's integral to who I am as a person. And did that lead you having that kind of background of multicultural experiences and heritage and people around you? Is that what led you to forging a career in in travel and the creative spaces? Yes, I actually think that 
being Filipino was a huge stepping stone in becoming interested in all different types of cultures and history in general, just because I don't know if you have if you have any context of the Philippines, but it is one of the most colonized countries in Southeast Asia in all of the bad ways and, and all of the great ways as well. There's so many traces of different types of cultures that have left their mark on the country, everything from Japanese culture, American culture, and Spanish culture. And so I think growing up with so many different viewpoints and so many different types of exposures to different cuisines, very early on, I had this massive curiosity about the world. And I think my nationality has a lot to do with it. Definitely. I always say that we traveled, my my younger sister and I, we traveled loads as a kid and we were constantly being like bundled into a car and like driven across the country and driven across borders. And I know it's a hundred percent why I do what I do now because I was exposed like so early on in like two different cultures and, and different environments. Can you share with us your most transformative travel experience too? Sure. So this question is a tough one only because there are so many transformative travel experiences. I always take away a huge theme out of every trip, but one specific one was my first trip going to Brazil. And it was just one of those awe-inspiring experiences that made you really feel the bolt of how large and expansive the world feels and how adventurous travel is and how new everything can feel and refreshing. I traveled to Brazil maybe six or seven years ago for Carnival. It really felt like I had completely landed in, in a foreign place and it was, it was just really exhilarating. Yeah, I was in Brazil for the World Cup. So I got to see like that same kind of like carnival-esque vibe and I just fell in love with it I just fell in love with Brazil and the warmth I think the warmth that exudes people and I I just think I don't know about you but I got told before I went that it wasn't safe and that you know you had to be really careful and I, I don't like it when people say it to me anyway because I automatically want to go more Yes, I, I agree with you completely. I think the interesting thing about Brazil is I had no idea what Brazil was like going into it. I didn't have any contacts of if it was going to be dangerous or if it was unsafe. And I do think to some degree that the not knowing made me so much more open and that it didn't give me a framework to fit things into that perspective, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's no mold, is there? You're creating like your own mold for what you want your experience to be like when you're there. And um, this is a question I've literally just discussed with my in chief. So I'm really interested to hear your answer. But how would you describe your travel philosophy? My travel philosophy, let's see. I think I really like to culturally code switch. And culturally code switching for me, it's sort of the same way that polygots can switch gears in speaking different languages. For me, it's just looking at everything from the lens that is wherever I am at that moment. And I think it is all about subjectivity and taking yourself and your own personal upbringings and beliefs out of whatever you might be experiencing and trying to really expand your perspective to see why certain things are done a different way in a different culture or new place. Do you think your philosophy has changed much in 2020 since we've been pretty much grounded? Or do you think your outlook on life as a, a wider whole, I know that's quite a deep question, has changed this year? 
Yeah, that is a very deep question just because it's true. Like travel has been a huge part of my adult identity. It's definitely been the mold of my professional identity, which I have completely merged with my own personal identity. And so my travel philosophy, I think, I don't think my philosophy has changed so much because I still think that code switching is really important, especially right now when we're all isolated in our own little bubbles. We do begin to only see what we want to see or like maybe mirror images of what our own beliefs are. And I think the only thing that's changed for me is that I realize that it's not so much the landscapes that I was missing from travel. It's really the community and the people and the spontaneity. And these are things that are totally not possible at the moment. I mean, you know, most days blur into one another at, at this time, but I think it's really the community aspect of travel is what I deeply, deeply crave. Yeah, definitely. And just the connectivity as well, isn't it? It sounds super cliche, but it is that swapping stories of people and, you know, you, you run into people and they say, oh, have you gone here, here and here when you're in a, in a new place or, or a foreign country? I find I'm literally talking to my coffee guy at the end of the street for like, honestly, an hour because I'm like, oh, how are you? How's your kids? How's the wife doing? Like, what are your Christmas plans? Because otherwise you just don't see anyone, right? You just sit yeah. and work at your laptop, which as creatives is possibly the hardest thing I think we've having to we're having to deal with at the moment so this year suitcase have coined this phrase the constant state of travel I'll quickly explain it the constant state of travel is basically how we've all encompassed traveling even though we're all stuck at home so metaphorically how we've been able to travel through scent smell souvenirs or whatever it is I'm always really intrigued to ask guests on the podcast how you've been traveling from home during this time I've been traveling from home at this time through films. I think films really just puts me in a different headspace and specifically old films, films that has predated even us having iPhones in our hands. For me, that is like escapism right now. I, I recently watched this film called Voyager where this man and this woman he meets on a boat end up doing a road trip across Europe and as an American trapped in the US right now, that is like all I want to see. We are talking this episode about travel in 2021. It's the big episode. It's one everyone wants to hear. It's the one that a lot of our audience and our listeners will be bookmarking to help them plan their trips for the next year. Like fingers crossed, obviously, that we will at some point get to go away. But how do you pick where you're traveling to next? Well, not to sound cynical, but as an American, we are very limited, which could be a blessing in disguise in the sense that we only have maybe like a handful of options of countries to go to. So it's a very short list, but I'm picking right now based on really just, I think, logistics. So my upcoming trip is I'm actually going to try and take advantage of the work from home situation, being able to not really need to be in the city of your professional circle. And so I'm going to move to Mexico for a month and a half, starting January. I'm picking Mexico just because it's very accessible from the US. And there's just so many amazing, incredible places to visit once there. And I think one philosophy of mine that's changed during the pandemic and actually a little bit before the pandemic as well, is just the wear and tear of travel was really, really starting to affect me, both on like a mental energetic level, but also physically as well. And 
I really want to just travel more intentionally and for longer spurts. If that takes more preparation and, and means reducing the quantity of trips, I think it's just better in the long run. And so this upcoming trip is going to be sort of like my first foray and test into that, which is staying in one country for a month and a half and really trying to, you know, work out of Mexico City for three weeks and then maybe add on a few new excursions along the way. Oh, that's a, that sounds incredible. Mexico City just has like the craziest energy as well, doesn't it? Like if you're a creative, like you can just literally, it's like osmosis, isn't it? You can just walk outside and absorb exactly it really has everything yeah it, it does I, I think it's such a fantastic city to to work from India and I we were talking two episodes ago about how sometimes when we were traveling at our peak we'd wake up and we'd have like no idea where we were because we were so jet lagged like we would just be on the go so continuously that we'd be like oh my gosh what time zone am I am what time is my alarm set have I got a meeting now am I supposed to be doing something else and yeah we've got to pause this year I guess and we've got to as much as like, obviously I miss traveling so much, I don't think I miss traveling like that. Exactly, and you really get to recalibrate and assess your relationship with travel. And I'm sure you felt this too, like it, going on press trips, sometimes I would wake up and I had no idea where I was. <laughs> and I'm like, where am I again? <laughs> and it's such a foggy feeling to wake up in a new bed every other night and have no idea where you are. And then you have to reorient. Yeah, definitely. And I think I found as well that you were so like conscious and you were so aware that you had to fit so many things in to get all the bits of content that you just never actually really took it in. And that I don't know, I look back and I have like a camera roll full of incredible photos where I have like really detailed notes, but I actually don't remember feeling like I was there. Whereas when I travel for longer, you do have that chance to actually immerse yourself in somewhere right you get to actually feel something I think rather than just doing like a checklist of like oh like gotta check out this 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 and this definitely so where are you staying in Mexico City have you got like an Airbnb so um, I'm testing out this new company platform called Oasis and Oasis Collections they were actually they just launched this new feature which sadly, I think they had to pivot a lot during the pandemic, but they launched this thing called Oasis Passport, where it was really targeting people who could work remote. It was really targeting work remote professionals, and you could get a membership, and every month for six months, you can stay in different apartments all across South America and Europe. Yeah, that sounds great. And it, it for like the multi-hyphen creative, that just sounds key because we can just pick up and and work from anywhere now and it seems silly to be stuck in when we can this the same place the same like gray gray space how do you normally pick where to stay in terms of like between a hotel or an apartment are there certain features you look for or certain things that you look out for that they must have yeah it really just depends if it's city or country if it's a city I really do love to be in the heart of the neighborhood I love to be wherever there's an emerging design scene great restaurants and something that you really get to experience sort of the flavor of the culture and when I first launched Bon Weekender it was really about the emerging city guide of the maybe lesser known neighborhoods that were up and coming and so I still very much crave that when I'm traveling to a new city. Are there any neighborhoods that you've got on your list that you might not be able to visit now, but you want to visit in the future or like any that you've pegged that are going for a resurgence? 
I heard Detroit is really incredible and it's going through a bit of a resurgence. I've never actually been to Michigan, so that's one place in the U.S. I'm really excited to visit. I've never been to Argentina and I would really love to Venice, Buenos Aires and so many places in South America. And I would love to even hear what your favorite new places are in London. I know London's constantly iterating. London is constantly changing. Like by the time I this episode even goes out, it'll be somewhere else. Tottenham is is such a like, massive neighborhood for like the arts and culture and like real like homegrown gritty community projects. So a lot of us are gravitating towards Tottenham. And then we've got loads of seaside towns in the UK that are going through a massive, massive revival. Yes, where's the town that Tracy Emin is from? Margate. Are you talking about Margate? Yes, my girlfriend's just moved to Margate. Honestly, so many of our contributors live in Margate because they have just got the, the craziest energy. And it really is just like this hub of activity. And there's someone that's always doing something. So whether it's like a chef that's turning like a theatre into a forage to fork restaurant, or it's a coffee roaster that is putting on like live music nights and art workshops. It is, it is really cool. It's a really, really cool place to be. It looks like the quality of life is really high and there's a really vibrant art scene, which is just like the perfect combination of a holiday. They've honestly, they've nailed the work-life balance. Definitely try and take a, a trip over when you, when you can. And what are your travel goals for 2021? Apart from obviously being like allowed to travel. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, uh, the first thing I'm going to travel. Be put on a plane. <laughs> My travel goals for 2021 is, I mean, one place that I've been craving and missing a lot was actually the place I got stuck in lockdown in the beginning of the pandemic. So when all of the closures started happening back in March, I was actually at an artist residency in Italy. And after my trip to Italy, I, I started in an interior design class and I was reading about all of these different art movements in Italy and it really made me realize how unique Italy is. I mean, obviously we all know it's so beautiful, everything from like gastronomy to like the beaches and everything else, but that is one aspect, an element of culture we just don't have at all here in the U.S. is sort of that really exaggerated, vibrant and like dramatic beauty. And so that's one thing I've been really craving that's just uniquely Italy. I think so many people are missing Italy right now. There's just so many little little things that doesn't translate in, in other places. And you know, they always say that like California has Mediterranean culture, but we don't have anything with that sort of architectural grand beauty as Italy does and just stories behind it I think as well isn't it like it's their stories that are centuries and centuries old and they're stories that no one actually who walks this planet experienced but yet everyone wants to tell them I think it's just like in Italian culture the overemphasis of beauty is what I'm craving after such a hard year it's like everything from like their music their food all the emphasis on it is just like pleasure and just so elaborate as well exactly and elaborateness is what I think we're all craving we really really are do you have any hotels on your radar for next year that you want to check into yes I would love to check out Casa Balandra in Mallorca I would also love to visit oh man there's just so many there's this other artist residency I was checking out in that I was actually supposed to visit this August called Potter's House in Mallorca as well 
and I would love to visit the John Pawson designed church in Israel in Tel Aviv. I would really love to go to Tel Aviv and Turkey at some point. Yeah, the list is endless, isn't it? Honestly, I have so many like screenshots or notes on my phone and I'm like, oh, I want to go here, here and here. So this is something that we discuss all the time at Suitcase. But how do you balance your love for travel with your love for the planet? I really do try to be conscientious about the types of places that I go to. And I really reassess the way that I'm consuming travel at the moment. And so I guess in every other choice I have in my day-to-day life, I'm consciously trying to always take the more sustainable option. Last January, I went to the New York Times travel conference and sustainability was a huge theme across the board at the conference. And they had interviewed an executive at JetBlue and Of course, the panelists asked, is there any way planes can be more sustainable? And at the moment, it just doesn't seem like technology will ever allow planes to be more sustainable. And so I guess every other choice I can make in the types of products I buy, the types of brands I support, the way that I travel locally, I really do try to minimize it as much as I can. And I think that's it. Traveling locally and locality is key, isn't it? It's making conscious choices. It's staying in hotels that are run by locals that aren't run by people that have moved there or they're not run by big big chains and I think just you know do our research and check where our travel dollars are going absolutely and actually last year I started visiting a lot of agriturismo hotels so a lot of bed and breakfast hotels that maybe have only 10 to 20 keys and also had a farm on site and I really think trying to balance the more sustainable and independent hotel options is one way that I'm trying to steer closer towards the more sustainable options in travel. I think it's funny, isn't it? Because boutique hotel has almost become like the same kind of buzzword that like eco has, hasn't it? Like it's like some people, oh, it's a really nice boutique hotel, but it's got 190 rooms. And I'm like, hmm not sure that's quite boutique yeah agreed it's always there's a lot of greenwashing in the marketing too where it's like oh we use refillable shampoo bottles and it's like that's just economically smart (laughs) yeah and then the shampoo bottles are plastic so if our upgrade listeners want to keep up with your journey want to keep up with your journey to mexico which is so exciting and and i'm so jealous uh where can they find you how can we keep up uh you can find me at olivia v lopez on Instagram and on Weekender. And sorry, this is just a very shameless plug now. And also the art of travel.podcast on Instagram. Yes. India and I mentioned this when we were introing you into the episode. So, yes, also listen to the Art of Travel podcast as well. So, I feel like this is a question I've never asked you, but I probably should have. How do you describe your hotel style? Thanks for really out of the blue left field question, Effler. Yeah, that was actually really mean, wasn't it? Okay, I'll go first. I'd say mine is a cross between beachy minimalist, you know, like lots of rattan, polished concrete walls, rustic farm barn, oak beams, banging bathtub, obviously. Lots of neutrals, but like maybe with like some printed scatter cushions to mix it up. 
I was about to tell you there for sounding really basic, so beauty minimalist, <laughs> closely followed by Rattan, which sounded like you were just back from Tulum armed with a fedora and some sort of new dream catcher tattoo. But actually, do you know what? I think that sounds very nice. That's a lovely answer. Oh gosh, I'm so pleased it gets your approval. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was so... <laughs> well, I've had a little chance to think about it whilst trolling you. I like small hotels that feel like you're home, super laid back, None of this tie for dinner and blow dry your hair shite. They've got to have a really good bar, the moodier the better, where you can sit until the early hours, having the barman mix you up whatever he likes. Decor wise, I think, can't be true to try hard or carbon copy. You know, if they're like those blasted folk, faux, velveteen puff things and sofas and chairs, like in various dual tones, look like they're straight off that very well known furniture website, which I won't call out here. Massive bathroom is key. Freestanding bathtub, absolutely yes, because it's such a novelty. Bathtubs are literally the key to winners over, aren't they? I think if you just give us a good bathtub, then we're then we're grand. And um, I stayed in this absolutely fab tree house down in Fullerton and Andover called Wild Escapes to celebrate leaving lockdown 2.0. And they had this beautiful William Holland tin bathtub. 100% it could not fit in any single flat in London that we've ever lived in. Like you'd have to combine them all, massive. It was basically like a plunge pool. But it sat on this raised terrace overlooking the black chalk vineyards. And I literally loved lying in it so much. I stayed there until the sunset. I was freezing cold and I looked like a Christmas fig. That sounds absolutely glorious. You know, this is going to make us sound like a couple of absolute like, bougie prats. But I finally stayed at the standard uh, just this weekend gone in London and me and my best mate lounged in our terrace bathtub. You know, we had these lovely terrace suites on the, on the top floor. And we lounged in the bathtub for, I don't know, about six hours just staring at the London skyline and it had those nice water jets as well. And um, it was such an opportunity to buy my drizzly shower, um, feeling all fancy. But its occasions have been huge this year. And with a flurry of UK hotels that set to open in 2021, I think it just cements the fact that holidays on home turf are here to stay. Bathtubs or not. <laughs> Yeah, the UK hotel scenes offering has just intensified, I think, and diversified, actually, so much so that I think it's just set to get better. You've got places like the Harper in Norfolk who had to delay their opening this year to 2021, so they can launch with a bang. And then you've got brand new offerings um, from people like Forest. So they've got a brand new offering called Albion, which will be launching next year. Forest, the guys who became a cult camping destination. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely did. And we've got a fabulous feature on Forest in our homegrown issue too. So, I don't know, have I mentioned the new issue by now? Do you want to read more about it? No, it's a really beautiful piece, one of my favourites. I think I should just make a jingle of you saying, buy it now, buy it now, buy it now, and we'll have it at the start of the podcast. There's also a city hotel flair that's generating a lot of buzz. Can I take a guess what you're talking about, please? Go on, I'll get it in one. Yeah, it's the Nomad, isn't it? I knew you'd get it. Let me guess, you want to stay there too? Yeah, obviously, but continue. Well, rock, papers, isn't it? Don't you worry. But now I know you're going to South Africa. I feel like I've got carte blanche to sort of say no to everything. Anyway, the Nomads from the Sedale Group, um, who are the guys that brought us the Ned, the Line, and other outposts of the Nomad in LA, Vegas, and New York. It'll be where the old Bow Street Magistrates Court is and police station in Covent Garden. And the interiors are set to explore the cultural connection between London and New York. There's something crazy like 1,600 works of art on show, four restaurants and drinking dens, one of which is a pub serving Mexican sharing plates, so you can tick off that substantial meal list with your booze. People who are familiar with the nomads in America will recognise the interplay between grandeur and whimsy. Things like the huge glass atrium covered in foliage that will double up as a main restaurant, the sultry basement cocktail bar, which I'll be making a beeline to, and the bedrooms are a mix of mid-century pieces with more twee pieces like gold bathtubs. It's eccentric, but without, you know, without being tra- tacky. 
yeah, it looks beautiful. I think it's going to draw so many people who would usually avoid Covent Garden at all costs to the area. Me too, absolutely. Do you know where I think you're going to trade me in exchange for a stay? Go on. <laughs> we actually swap hotel rooms like Pokemon cards, don't we? Um, <laughs> anyways, it's the farmyard at the Newt. That's going to be such a good opening. Such a good one. Isn't it? I think if you haven't managed to snag a stay there during the summer of staycations, aka summer 2020, and then you'll really want to stay at this outpost. So it's on the same beautiful grounds as the new, but it's a lot more rustic and it's a lot more low-key and casual. The farm to fork restaurant is going to get people really excited too, as it's overlooking all the gardens that service the kitchen. It it does just look beautiful. We're big fans of anything the new guys do, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. A, bit, a few years ago, I stayed at their sister hotel, Babylon Street in South Africa, and I really don't think they could put a foot wrong. On another note, there's definitely an emerging townhouse trend too, isn't there, Fleur? You've got the newly opened Mayfair townhouse, which I'm going to stay at early next year if I'm allowed, hopefully. Um, and then you've got two country cash pads making their forays into cities. Beaverbrook is opening a townhouse in Chelsea, and Gleneagles will also be opening a 33-bedroom townhouse and members club in Edinburgh. Then there's Henry's Townhouse, it's just opened in Marylebone. It's the former home of Jane Austen's favourite brother, Henry, and looks one of those chic, I've been trying to describe it to you. It's super like chic and colourful and gilt, but also really fun and a bit kitsch. And it just looks great. Yeah, staycations are literally going nowhere, are they? They really are not. But there's plenty of other European offerings cropping up next year, should you want to make a dash for the continent. I'm definitely going to start talking about a Mykonos hotel called Kalesima which I'm hoping to stay at, considering that Mykonos was a trip that definitely was not meant to be last year. Is this the hotel where all 25 suites um, have a private pool? Yeah, it's modelled on a typical Mykonos village. Not, not that I know any Mykonos villages that have <laughs> a private pool in their back garden. But I love there, that. There we go. But I do think it's going to be the new uh, Cabo Targo. You aren't so bougie. Yeah, thanks. I try. In complete contrast, or maybe not, I'm raising you private heated pools for snack shacks and chiringuitos in Formentera, where this little bohemian bottle called Casa Formentera is set to finally open after the pandemic put a stop to its plan. It's just 14 rooms sat on Playa Majorne and it looks divine. Or Rattan and Bleach Word Fleur. Also so rare for Formentera to have a new hotel opening as well. It's usually lots of cute little beach huts that you snag on Airbnb. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then the somewhere else I've got my eye on flat is Can Ferreretta that was also going to open last summer. That one is probably right up your hotel style street. It's in this tiny rural town in Santani in the southwest of Mallorca and is right next to a nature park, the second biggest in the Balearics. Bit of general knowledge there for you, Fleur. That's quite minimalist with big oak beams, stone walls, rattan and private patches leading off the rooms that are dotted with orange trees, which I think you have a sort of soft spot for for some reason, don't you, Fleur? Yeah, huge soft spot. I'm actually asking one from, from my mum as a housewoman present to the house that I haven't owned bought found or completed on yet you know just manifest (laughs) manifest right now um i really want to stay there though i wanted to stay there last year um, when it was was open too but or this year whatever and yeah i think i said that to you actually last year pre-pandemic you probably did we probably booked in we probably had to cancel i've absolutely lost count of of our pivoting plans much like everyone else but what about properties people looking to travel further afield so i've got one that's absolutely going to blow your mind one Okay, well, after that, very unenthusiastic. <laughs> no, I just think you set yourself up for sort of a big kidney. Yeah, I know. I really did hype that one up a little bit, didn't I? But, okay, hopefully I can deliver. 
So have you heard of the train that used to take guests on safari back in the 1920s? I'm just going to say you haven't. So I'm going to continue. Um, even though you're nodding at me right now. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. So there's a train that used to take people on safari back in the 1920s and it would park at the entrance to Kruger National Park overnight for the first guests to experience all the wildlife. So now they're actually creating a permanently stationed train on the Salati Bridge. So right above the Sabai River with glasswall carriage rooms that offer like literally views the length of the river and there's also a deck that's positioned like right in line so they actually angled it and measured it so it'd be completely like in the same eye line with all the watering holes of hippos elephants and crocodiles so it'll basically feel like you're swimming with them which doesn't that just sound absolutely incredible that sounds absolutely bonkers. I, I really love story. Um, I really love hotels with, with you know proper history and stories behind them. You were going to say you love story time with Flair then. <laughs> oh God. Oh God, help. Yeah. Anyway, I have to screw this one in and I know you're literally going to roll your eyes so far in the back of your head in a minute. But obviously I'm like a huge fan of the US reality TV real estate program. And I obviously may or may not have a crush on Steve Gold from Million Dollar List in New York. I know you have no idea who that is. No, although, no, actually, do you know what? (laughs) No, I know I do know now because I stalked Steve Gold the other day when you mentioned him. He looks like your boyfriend. I was like, who is it? (laughs) Who is this chap? Go on. Yeah, I do. Well, I mean, I I could kind of know who he is. I've seen him on Google. Yeah, no, he, I definitely have a type. I think he's so good looking. Hi, Steve, if you're listening to this lol. But no, he's basically branched out from brokering like really plush apartments to a wellness like destination hotel in the Catskills, which it feels like we've been talking about the Catskills for ever and I think it's probably been billed as the New Hamptons for like what like four years now since we both we probably first said it um and obviously it's just been attracting like more and more city breakers over the years and just when I think they're going to pass over the limelight to Sag Harbour a banging 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 new hotel opens so this one Steve Gold aka New Bay is his new venture um, <laughs> his new venture the harem is is gonna just further cement that it looks beautiful it's quite modern like with loads of with loads of glass but that i think just only emphasizes like the absolutely insane mountain views and in the spring i just think you'll wake up to all these like really pretty wildflowers and there's going to be a spa offering that's been modeled on ancient rome which looks epic i, I think i'm just a bit obsessed with steve gold i was going to say with, with, with the hotel and with steve yeah, maybe both. Well, I hope that everybody has been taking plenty of notes and planning their trips after this wreck-packed episode. <laughs> I can say train wreck. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I literally, I can't, I absolutely can't wait to get back out and support the industry again. A special thanks to travel influencer and content creator Olivia Lopez for joining us. My to check into hotel list is scarily long after all her fab recommendations. India, can I please just have more holiday dates? Please. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast listening platform you use. The upgrade from Suitcase Magazine will be back with season two in 2021. Until then, check in with us at suitcasemag.com, download the back catalogue of the podcast, and get yourself a copy of our latest magazine, Homegrown.